0: You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. My name is Luke Hettinger. Um, this doesn't happen every Sunday, all right, where it's like you go from the guitar to to the teaching. Uh, last week, as Stan spent some of Sunday morning in urgent care, Monday morning, he's like, hey, it's probably not a good idea that I teach on Sunday since I have open sores in my throat. It's like, yeah, that's probably not a great idea. So um, so he's handed it off to me, and um, I'm, I'm excited about it because I love, I love the scripture we're going to look into. Before we go to that, though, guys, we are, what is this, five weeks in? We are five weeks old. And we were talking about the, uh, the history of Anthem Church to some people here, I think it was last week, and it's like, yes, we have a long, rich history here in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, but but it's, it's so fun to be a part of this because we are, you are, even maybe this is your first Sunday and you didn't realize this, but congratulations, um, we are part of building this culture of what we are going to be as a church for years and years down the road, and it's just so fun to be a part of. It's fun to be here, and guys, I want to just give you the freedom, too. Um, I love to worship, and, and we've, we've never really said this from the stage, but guys, there, there is freedom in worship. Right, and it's fun being up here looking out at some of you because some of you, it's like as we're as we're worshiping. You know, that's what that's what we're doing when we're singing these songs. We're just we're singing truth back to God, the the truth that we have received and that we've experienced. We're just singing that back to God. That's that's what singing, you know, through worship through singing is. And I see some of you out there going like. I can't see, past. you know, it's like you want to, you just want to get out there. and You just want to put your hands up. And I just tell you, there's freedom in that, okay? So, and if you're like, I'm too stri- there's room on the sides, all right? If you want to step out and you want to just let your hands fly, do that, all right? But if you're like, no, this is how I worship, then that's cool, too. I came from a super conservative church up near Kirksville, Missouri, and they worship like this. And I think they were worshiping. I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to think the best about, about them, their relationship between them and God. Um, but if that's you, there's freedom in that, okay? And that's what we want. We want the culture of Anthem Church to, we want people to know that, hey, there's freedom in worship. All right Now, now if you bring your own tambourine, we might, have a, we might have a box at the door that you can drop that in before you come in, but uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that, and, and as we were, it's just so much fun, and t- this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to go through Ephesians chapter 2, sorry, verses, we're just through verses 1 through 10. And as we as we go through this we're we're continuing this sermon series and we're continuing to walk through this and and it's just so much fun to see Paul just in this attitude of worship as he writes this letter to this group of people. Now if you if you haven't been with us uh for all the history of our church, um you might want to go online and and get caught up on some of the messages. Todd last week did an awesome job. I still I keep thinking about his uh, little dog, uh Lamb Lambert. Lambo, right? I still keep thinking about his little dog and that leash. But this morning as we go through this, what we see Paul doing is he's continuing in this attitude of worship. And he's just continuing to just like praise God for what he's seen in the people of Ephesus. I mean, you you have these people that have gone from from death to life, you have these people who have gone from witchcraft and sorcery and, uh, I mean, just prostitution and, and all these different things, and you, you see people, like, dramatically changed, drastically, miraculously changed, and, and not only just like, okay, I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday, but I'll do my witchcraft throughout the week, not just adding to it, but burning all their past stuff and saying, Jesus is the only one for me. There's nothing else, and Paul is just worshiping in that, and as he writes this letter, he's just like, oh my goodness, you guys, Jesus did this, and you are this, and, you know, and he's just going through it, and it's just amazing, and where we come to in this, in this part of the letter is Paul kind of jumps on this rabbit trail, and it's, I was talking to Stan before, uh, before the service, and he's like, but it's a really good rabbit trail. I'm like, yeah, it is, and that's why we're going to spend a lot of time in there this morning. But that, this rabbit trail that he goes on, it's kind of, he's kind of presenting like, a, like an unsolvable problem, right have you ever had one of those like just like a, a problem where it's just like there is no good solution here like my kids are 10 and 11 now and they're in fifth and sixth grade and uh they're they're bringing home their math homework and i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> wait till your mom comes home right they're, they 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 do it on the ipad now i feel so old and actually i am old but um they they they're doing all their homework on iPads now, and I'm just like, where's the paper? How do you do this thing? You know, it's like, the, Elena was was trying to get. She's like, can you help me with this? And it was like kind of geometry stuff, and, and we had to figure out how how many bricks would fit in this hole. And and there's this little penguin that if if you get the right answer, the penguin walks across the screen, and there's this ding. And and but if you get the wrong answer, the penguin runs into the wrong answer and turns around and runs away. And and we kept like I'm like, well, I would think you would do this, and the would come out and ding and run away and like about the sixth time I was just like oh I'm gonna break this iPad like and my daughter's like daddy you know and but it's it like there's no good solution to this problem and and we have this a lot in just life in general I think I, I mean the easy one to pick on is like the elections coming up soon I feel like that's a problem there's no good solution to maybe you're like oh no there is Okay, I'm not very political. It seems like from my perspective, there's not really a good solution, <laughs> right? I'm not political, okay? And we're not, as Anthem Church, we're not political to a certain extent. But it's like, okay, what do we do with that? <laughs> Guys, there's, I, I was just looking on the news last night. Um, there was a shooting in, uh, out in, in, I think, Oregon, out, uh, you know, out in that country, just in a mall. This guy walks into Macy's with a, with a rifle, and just kills five people. I mean, it's like what why? We live in we live in just brokenness. And there are times where it's just like there is no good solution to this. Like there is nothing that I can see that it's just everywhere you look is just hopelessness. And that's what Paul, he kind of takes this rabbit trail. And yet in the midst of this, he gives us an incredible answer to all the hopelessness that he sees. And this is is what the answer, I wanna give it to you on the forefront because the answer to the hopelessness that, that Paul kind of addresses in this rabbit trail is that God's love brings freedom. God's love brings life. God's, and that's not just like cliche, like, oh, that's the Christian pastor thing to say, right? No, it's not, it's not cliche. He's saying, here's a problem with no solution. We have the answer, though. And yet there are so many people still in the world that don't. So he, he goes into it, and that's, that's what I want to look at. As we go into Ephesians chapter two, again, remember the context. This is God, Paul is praising God for what, for what he's seen. Chapter two, starting in verse one, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, you might, we're, we're just gonna stop there. You might not see that as like Paul rejoicing, but he is. That's the context in which we're reading this. Because as Paul is talking about the amazing things that he's seen in them, as Paul is talking about the amazing things that he's seen that Jesus is and who Jesus is and, and the person of Jesus and therefore who we are in Christ, he, he goes off on this thing. And, and it's almost like in my mind, you know, Paul is this little, short, bald guy, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's verbally talking to someone as they're writing this down, right? He used a, a scribe. And as he's saying this, he's, he's, he's continuing to rejoice and he's saying, and you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which, you, in which you once walked. And that's where his mind goes off in this rabbit trail. Because as you'll see, he'll pick up this thought process again in verse five, but before that, he goes down this rabbit trail and he's like, oh yeah, let's talk about that. He, I, I don't know, maybe Paul was a verbal processor like I am, right? I'll say things and then he'll be like, oh wait, I don't necessarily agree with what I just said, so, so if you could just forget I said that, and I'll just put that back in here, right? Or I'll be talking, and it's like, oh, that was good. Like, I'll follow that, you know? And it seems like that's what Paul's doing. And he's saying, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. All right, let's follow that. Because as he's rejoicing, he's remembering who they were, Right? I mean, you think about—he's saying you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. He was—he said spiritually you were dead. I mean, think about a dead body, right? We've all been—we've all been to funerals, most of us, right? I can remember as I was thinking about this. I remember one of my first funerals I went to as a kid, and um, I can't remember who the person was, which is terrible, but uh, it was a long time ago. And I remember going up—you know—you have the like open casket, and which is. It's kind of a weird tradition, and, and you kind of walk by it, and everybody pays their respects and looks at the body one last time, and then they close it up. And, and I remember walking by that as a kid and just being like, I think I saw them breathe, right? Like, telling my mom, like, Mom, Mom, they, I saw their chest go up and down. Like, I, I saw them breathe. And she's like, no, honey, no, they're dead. And I was like, no, that's, no, they're, they, they're breathing, like, look. And she's like, no, they're dead. See, because when, you, when a dead person doesn't do anything, right? Like, I mean, that's kind of the, the point of death, right? There's, there's nothing after that. Your chest doesn't rise and fall. You don't, you don't play cards. You don't, like, I don't know why I'm playing cards, but, like, uh, like, dead people don't do anything. And he's saying, that's who you were. That's who you were in your sins and in your trespasses in which you once walked, right? He's saying, spiritually, you could do nothing to help yourself. You were dead. A lot of people, they talk about how, like, their, their testimony or their God story or whatever you want to talk about it, like, their point of, of religion or spirituality, they're like, oh, yeah, I was struggling. I was drowning. You know, we use these, these, these terms and these analogies, and what Paul is saying here is he's saying, no, you weren't struggling. You weren't drowning. You were dead on the bottom of the ocean floor. If you want to continue that analogy, you were dead and bloated and green and, like, fish were eating you, Right? on the bottom of the ocean floor. That was your state. You could do nothing. And he continues and he's like, all right, in this rabbit trail, he's like, all right, let's unpack that deadness. Let's unpack that state that we were in. And he says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. So therefore, right there, he, he says two characteristics of this spiritual death. Did you catch it? He says, in in which you once walked following the course of this world. As I said, we live in a broken world. This is not the way it was supposed to be. I don't think anybody is confused by that. I don't think anybody is like, what? I thought this was paradise. No, this isn't, you know. Uh, If you read in the beginning of Genesis, you'll see what God had intended. You see the garden. You see... Adam and Eve walking with him, you see. I mean, how awesome would that have been? God is saying, Hey Adam, you see all of this? Go out and have adventures and subdue it and like be a guy and climb trees and, and wrestle goats and like whatever, whatever you want to do, this is yours. Go go take care of it. And like everything was in harmony and God was in harmony within that, and there's so many different things. It's so beautiful. And yet then sin entered the world and things were broken. And Paul says, Look, you are following the brokenness of this world. You you look around and you're like, oh, that's how the world around me is in relationships? Oh, well, it's not working out for them, but it'll work out for me, (laughs) no, it won't, oh, that's how the world does, like, their jobs, and they cheat different people, it doesn't seem to work out for them, but, oh, it'll work out for me, he's saying, look, you were following, it's almost like, I I remember working cows, again, I grew up outside of Kirksville, Missouri, my dad had a bunch of, uh, a bunch of cows, I remember working cows, I used to hate that, dad would wake me up super early in the morning, and uh, we'd go out, and we'd round the cows up, and and we'd get them into the corral, and we'd run them down this chute, right, and so the chute, at the end of the chute, was like these stocks. I think that's what they were called, these stocks, And we'd slam the cows into the, and it would clamp on their head. And then we'd either give them shots, or we'd pour medicine on them, or we'd castrate them, which was the best. I mean, it was just the most fun, right? And uh, sarcasm. And, and there'd be all these different things. But what Paul is talking about here is he's saying, like those cattle, you were just walking down the chute into a place that was not good. You didn't want to be there, right? There were some cows that jumped out of the chute because they're like, I'm not, I saw the person in front of me, I'm not going there, right? And Paul's like, no, you just walked blindly into it. You just followed the brokenness of this world. Not only is he saying, yeah, you followed the brokenness, the influence of the world, but you, you followed the influence and were in bondage to the spiritual powers of this world. And this is a theme that's going to come up um, a couple more times in Ephesians, but here he mentions it, and I think it's important to mention because there are so many times where we just kind of disregard that, or we think of it as like a fairy tale, or, or Satan as some like uh, persona of evil. As you read through scripture, Satan is a very real being. Who has very real power in our world today? I mean, uh, if you if you read in First 1 John, 1 Peter five eight talks about um, being sober minded because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Um, John, First John five nineteen talks about how the world, the whole world, is in the power of the evil one. 1 Corinthians or Colossians 1.13, talks about how we have been we've been brought out of the 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 dominion or the, or the domain of darkness. Guys, there are there is a real threat to our very souls that, that I think that there's, there's a good balance, I guess you'd say, that some people, right, some people see the devil behind everything, you know, and, and it's like they, they're just living in fear. Some people see the devil behind nothing and live in ignorance. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, no, there's, there's a real threat. And part of your, that state of deadness is you are bound to that threat. You are under the influence of that threat. And he goes on, the, the third thing he talks about is you're under the influence by, of your own desires. Um, I think it's interesting because before the Ephesians go, that's right, the devil did make me do all that, right? That's right, I didn't, wa- I, didn't want to buy- I didn't want to steal that candy bar. The devil made me do it, right? He goes, no, 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 no. Verse three, among whom we all once lived, and first of all, I think it's interesting that Paul stops and he's talking about their state, and we know the Ephesians, they were, they were caught up in witchcraft and, and prostitution, all these different things. And you might be saying, yeah, those people were dead in their sin. Those people were bad. And he's saying, before you go too far into that, he says, we all were in that. He stops and he includes himself, this hyper-religious Jewish guy. And he says, actually, that was me too. And he goes on, verse 3 Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath. He, he's saying, Look, you, you weren't only under the influence of this broken world around you, you're not only under the bondage and influence of the spiritual powers of the world around you. You, you were wicked, you were broken. You see that all throughout Scripture. It's, it's you, the problem is you. I, I, there's a there's a song out. I can't remember who the who the uh, artist. I think it's NF. Um, he's a he's a rap artist, which the kids listen to these days. I guess right. I can start saying my birthday is this week. I'm getting old, so I can start saying things like that. Um, but the, the song. I think it's by him. He talks about how the problem in the world. It always has been, and always will be me. You know, and we look at we look at all the other influences, and and the reality is, it's like we're all broken. We're all in that mess. It's not just, I can't just say the devil made me do it. I wanted to do it. And so I followed that. And I walked in that. And that is broken. And Paul's saying, that was you. Paul's saying, that was not only you, that was me. And that, he, he goes on in, in that verse, in verse four, he says or at the end of verse three, excuse me, and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. As we were in the state of being dead, he's saying, look, you were not only under the influence and the bondage of all these other things and by your own, by your own wreckedness and brokenness, but he's saying, look, you, like all mankind was, everybody that's ever lived was in this state. Right, We we have all been there. We are all broken. We are all under the bondage of influence of the, the powers and the things of this broken world around us. And he's saying because of that, we are children of wrath, which is crazy to think about. And that idea of children of wrath, it means by our very nature, we were deserving of punishment. Man, aren't you glad you came to church this morning, right? I mean, it's like, there is something within us, especially, I believe, in our culture that pushes back so hard against It's like, that's not fair. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm deserving of punishment, right? And then, actually, there's a couple different ways that I think we push back against this. The first one I believe that we push back against this is, is saying, well, I'm not dead, first of all, right? I'm not dead, I'm not that guy laying in the casket. I'm not that body at the bottom of the ocean. I'm breathing. I'm doing stuff. By very definition, I'm not dead. And I think it's interesting where Paul's saying, you were dead in which you once walked, right? And he's saying, in which you once lived. There's this spiritual death that we, I mean, if you, if you think about Genesis 2, right? We talked about when, when God created everything and, and, and when he created the, the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, what did he tell Adam and Eve? He says, don't eat that fruit or what? or you will surely die, that's right, that's another thing I want you guys to get, I'm like a response, I, I love response most of the time, right, um, and, and so like if I ask a question, respond, okay, so, or if you don't want to, that's fine too, it's, it's whatever, but it's like, you will surely die, okay, so Eve took the apple, right, the serpent deceived her, she took the apple, she bit it, and she goes, you know, right, did that happen, no, right, it didn't happen. In fact, she took the apple and gave it to her husband who was with her. Adam was just hanging out there. He was just chilling. You know, I used to think Eve, oh, Eve's so bad, right? She deceived Adam. Adam was right there. He was just, I don't know if he was clueless. I don't know if it like, I mean, there's a talking snake. I would think he would be like, oh, like, what is happening here, right? But she takes the apple, bites it, gives it to her husband, who's standing right there, and he's like, Oh, yeah, that looks good. And oh, she seems to enjoy it. He bites it. They don't die. In fact, God comes into the garden, and he's saying, where are you? And they realize their eyes are open, they realize they're naked, they, they sew fig leaves together, all that stuff. But see, what happens in that moment is that there is a spiritual death, there is a spiritual separation because of the sin, because of the disobedience in the lives of humanity. God is called life. Jesus is called the life. And when we are in our sins and trespasses, we are separated from the life, We are dead, we are, uh, I love how um, uh, if, if if you continue that line of thinking, that pushback where you say, well, I'm not dead, and you might even say, well, I'm not evil. Right? I'm not evil. I'm not, I, I love Todd was saying this past week and teaches me, he's like, yeah, nobody thinks they're on team Satan, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, Satan, he's awesome. Let's go for it. But, and yet John MacArthur, I love how John MacArthur says this. He says, total depravity means sinners have no ability to do spiritual good or work for their own salvation from sin. They are so completely disinclined to love righteousness, so thoroughly dead in sin that they are not able to save themselves or even to fit themselves for God's salvation. Unbelieving humanity has no capacity to desire, understand, believe, or apply spiritual truth. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, what he's saying there is he's saying, look, you might, there might be some things in you where it's like, well, I helped an old lady across the street. I'm not evil. I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in your expression of spirituality, but that doesn't make me evil. According to the Bible, it says you cannot do anything for yourself to make yourself right for God. So in essence, yes, you are. And yes, we all were. Right? And and the the crazy thing about if you read if you continue to read through scripture the wrath of God so often comes when he takes his hands off of us and lets us actually do the things we want to do. If you look through the the first chapter of Romans, Romans one twenty four says therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. One twenty six says for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. One twenty eight says and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Over and over, it says God gave them up. That's, a, that's God saying, okay. Okay, do what you want to do. Okay, go the, go the route you want to go. Okay, go down that chute with all the other cows. It's not going to end well. See, we are, I, I, love, I love where, I mean, Paul just, he's, again, he's rejoicing, but he's saying, don't forget who you were. The, the last pushback there is it's like, I don't feel like I deserve punishment. I don't feel like I should be a child of wrath. And yet the Bible says, Romans five twelve therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Psalm 51, even, I love this, this verse. It says, in sin did my mother conceive me. It says, from the very beginning, the psalmist says, when I was a baby, I was sinful. I and mean, you know, we always talk about how you can see that in little kids. You don't have to look very long to see a baby. It is, I mean, they, they're selfish. Uh, like, I, we went out to the splash pad the other day at Stevens Lake and I was watching these little kids and just cutest little kids like in diapers and it was you know the water was going and so their diapers were hanging down to about their ankles because they're just full of water and, and they're just I mean just the cutest little kids all of a sudden this one little girl just boom just pushed her little brother like out of the fountain and then she took his spot you know it's like I mean little little bitty We were born in sin, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Do you know why? Because we stand before a holy God, a good, just God. And you might say, well, that's not fair. And you see, the reality is God set the rules, the reality is that God created us, and He created the earth, and it's almost like if you like, there's a, there's this game called Settlers of Catan. I love I love playing this game, and, and every time you play it, everybody it seems like everybody has different rules they play by, and so when you start the game, you have to say, all right, what's the house rules? Like, what are hidden rules? I don't like that because there's a rule book, right? It's like I, I we had one group over at my house, and there I was like, well, here's the rule according to this, and he's like, that's not how we play. It's like. That's how the rules say. Like, there was a creator of this game. It doesn't matter if you play it that way. It doesn't matter if you want to play it that way. Here's the rules, right? I just don't understand it. And so they read through the rule book and they read it and read it and then they put it down. I still don't like it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, guys, you were this. You were children of wrath. You were deserving of death and and condemnation. And if you are still in your sin, you are still in that state. You are still dead. You are still unable to do anything to make yourself right before God. And if you continue to go down that chute, if you continue to follow the patterns of this world and the the powers that, that that are there, and if you continue to follow the lusts and the passions of your own heart, your end will be destruction. That's... That's what it says and yet, and yet verse four is next. right? Verse four says, "But God." But God." How awesome and incredible and, and just joyous is the, are those two words: "But God." I was a womanizer and, I mean, just selfish, stupid brat, but God." I cared about nothing but myself, but God. That's actually me, right? I spit on the, on the sacrifice of Jesus so many times, over and over and over and over again, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Guys, what I want you to see is in the same way that Paul follows this rabbit trail, and he's like, oh, I want you guys to understand who you were so you can understand who you are, and so that the grace and the mercy and the goodness and love of God can be on display, because what happens so much of the time is people get stuck in this other thing, and they're like, well, that's not fair, It's not fair that I was dead in my trespasses. It's not fair that I was born into sin. It's not fair that this and that and the other. But they miss the fact that verse four comes and it says, but God. Yes, that was your state, but God took your place. But God, and he's saying, look, I want you, don't forget who you are. I believe that as Christians, the longer we become Christians, the further we get away from where we were. And I don't believe that we need to remember who we are so that we can have condemnation and be like, oh, I was so gross, I was so bad, I was this, I was that. But we need to remember who we were so that we remember who God is. Remember who we are now. Right? And I believe what Paul is saying here is, first of all, you are loved. You are so loved I mean, that's what, that's what he says in that. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses, guys, God didn't need to do anything. He could have just left us. He could have just let us rot at the bottom of that ocean, but God loved us. There's a difference there, isn't there? Like there's a difference in how you live if you live in the understanding that you are loved and that is your identity rather than just the fact that it's like well it's like your mom who I I remember my mom always just said oh Luke you can be anything you want to it's like mom no I can't right like I physically I can't right I, I, I was on the basketball team and I, I was I sat the bench the whole time right and every time I'd get done with a game and I'd be like oh, I suck this is ah, I just oh I'm so and my mom would be like oh honey but you're so good it's like I'm not right I unequivocally I am not right I am not good at basketball I cannot cannot be a superstar see there's there's it's like you just say that because you're my mom and you have to right There's a difference living in that where it's like, well, God saved me because he's God and he kind of has to. I mean, that's just, I guess he's God. That's what he does. He saves people. But no, he loves you. With a love, that, with his love, he loved us. See, that changes things, doesn't it? We had a dog one time that, that my dad, my dad growing up on a farm, dogs were kind of, we had a lot of dogs. I'll just say it that way. Um, and this one dog came in, and he was kind of a bigger dog and just great dog, but he ran into the house one day, and it was like as soon as he got into the— he was an outside dog, and as soon as he got into the house, you could see it in his in his whole demeanor. He's like, I am in a place I should never be, right? It's like I am in the holy of holies, and I am dead now, right? And, and I remember my dad, he was like— dog, you know and it's like the and my poor dog was so scared that he started peeing and it and, and dad and then dad was like he just started breathing deep because he knew if he started he kept talking the dog would keep peeing and so like i was like okay i got him you know and i i came between my dog and my dad and i took the dog back outside but see if you understand that you're loved when we screw up that looks differently right when we, when we live this life and we understand that we are loved, we don't cower in fear, right? A, there is a healthy fear of God. That's what the Bible says. But we don't cower before God. We run to God. We say, this is how, man, this is who I am, and you know who I am, and yet you love me, and God continued to change me. That changes things. And he goes on, not only are we loved, right, but we are alive. Verses four through five says... By grace, if it go on trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, right? I, I, just real quick about this. We are alive now in Christ. We went from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive, and, and the thing that I think is so awesome about that is that when there is life, there is hope, right? In death, there is no hope. I mean, it's kind of like the fight's been done. The, I mean, just even thinking about like, People who struggle with cancer. There, there are so many people who struggle with cancer now, and it's just like you see it—the the, the fight—and there's so much determination, and yet there is a point at times when the cancer wins. All right, from from a physical standpoint, there are times where the cancer wins, and it's at that point that physically, it's like, well, the fighting is done. There's, it's that's that is the end from a physical standpoint. And yet where there is life, there is hope where there is life there's still there's still more there's still more fighting there's still another day there's still more to be accomplished there's still there's still more and and the the reality is guys that there are so many times where I don't feel this I don't feel loved I don't feel alive I don't I still I'm like god I, why do I do what I don't want to do and there's times where my own heart and my own sin comes up and testifies against me and, and I just proclaim that to god and confess that to god and yet the reason that there is hope in that is because it's like a toddler crawling, and, and then it 's like you, you crawl and then we see them all the time they just boom face plant right and it 's like and then you pick them up and you dust them off and and you don't you don 't want to go oh because then they 'll start crying, but you go yay right and and then they 're like, oh hey you know and then they start walking again because there's hope there 's another day there's there 's chances that that as they grow and, and understand their you know who they are. They're going to continue to walk and then run. And then and it's just like, oh, there's more to this story that just keeps unfolding. And that's what Paul is saying. He's like, oh, you guys are alive now. We can celebrate in that. We can keep going in that. There's another day. There's more to be accomplished. And he talks about all these things. It's, it's, it, grace is just over all these things. And that word grace, it means undeserved favor. We, he, he stops this sentence, by, and he says, by grace you have been saved. Undeserved favor. There's no reason that it should have came to you. There's no reason that you should be made alive. Verse six, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Guys, not only are we loved, not only are we alive, but we are victorious in Christ. If you, if you read that, I mean, everything that was accomplished in Jesus is by, through Jesus, given to us and lavished on us. And there's this, there's, in that verse six, it says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Now, there is a, there's a now and a not yet to this, to this verse There is a a reality that will happen someday, that the resurrection is going to happen. And when that day comes, if we are in Christ, we can stand before God and he looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, child, come in. Because we are in Christ and Christ's righteousness is given to us and therefore we have the righteousness of God. Right, And so that will happen someday, but now I believe that there is a very real reality A a real state of being that says, in Christ, we have been raised up. There's this idea of victory. There's There's this idea of finality that nothing else needs to be done for us. There is no other sacrifice. There is no other, there's just nothing else that needs to be done. It is finished. That's what Jesus said as he hangs on the cross. As he takes on the weight of the sins of the whole world, future past, future present. And future, future. I don't know if that's a thing. But as he hangs on the cross, and he says, it is finished. And when we are in Christ, when we put our faith and trust in him, we are seated in him. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's done. And those, it, I, I love the contrast there because he, in the beginning, he's talking about when we're dead in our trespasses, we're in bondage to all these different things. And now in Christ, we're not in bondage anymore. There's freedom for us anymore. We don't have to be bound to those things that lead us down that path anymore it is finished in christ and he goes on i I love he he goes on in verse seven so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in christ jesus saying guys it's only going to get better yeah remember who you were so you can rejoice in who you are and you can put god on display and it's only going to get better it's only going to get deeper. It's, only, it's like getting married. You know, when, when I got married, I've been married for 14 years now. When I got married, I, I loved my wife, but I didn't know what love meant. I mean, it was like, just dumb kid. Like I, I was 21. People who get married now. I'm just like, <laughs> right? You have no idea what you're walking into. And yet, the, the reality of that situation is, is that the past 14 years, I love my wife now more than I ever have. And the things that we've experienced together and, and where we're at now it is so much better than I could have ever imagined. And that's the way it is with Christ. It says, it's gonna just get better. It's just gonna get more. It's just gonna get deeper. And verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Guys, that, that idea of faith it's this, um, he says, you've been saved by grace. This undeserved, you didn't deserve it. It's not about you, right? This undeserved, you've been saved by this undeserved thing from God, this love from God is yours through faith. I was thinking about what, what that faith idea meant in this context. And, and I, think that, I think it can be illustrated by, like if you think about a chair, right? I, I've seen this done quite a few times and it really sticks with me. If you think about a chair, um, hopefully this doesn't buzz, but if you think about a chair, I'm gonna grab one of these. And you put it up here, right? And you're like, okay, I, I know that this chair is going to hold me. Like, I don't, I don't think about it too much. Like, when you came in this morning, were you like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I look around, and other people are sitting in chairs, but I don't know. I had an up, extra cupcake last night. So, you know, like, it's like, okay, you, you try it out. You, you test it. You know, okay, I think it'll work. And then you can say, all right, I believe that chair will hold me. Cool, right? I mean, you're not going to experience the, the, the safety, the security of that chair until what? Until you sit on it, right? And, until you just, you just sit in it, and that's faith. Right? Faith is trusting Jesus. Faith is trusting that in, in light of the fact that you didn't deserve it, in, in light of the fact that you didn't do anything for it, it is ours in Christ Jesus. And there are so many people who intellectually, they're like, oh yeah, Jesus is good. Oh yeah, God is good. And yet the reality is, it's, it's, it's like, man, just sit in that, sit in the reality, sit in the, in, the, in, the, in the security of who Jesus is. You've been saved by grace. It's nothing that you could do. It's nothing that you could earn. And yet, he's saying, will you just accept it? Will you receive that? That's what faith is. And he, and he goes on, and this is where we're going to land the plane. In verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Real quick, right? Like Todd was saying this past week there's not going to be anybody strutting in heaven, right? Like, there's not going to be anybody walking around me, like, okay. <laughs> Right? I'm glad God got me. Because I'm really good at baseball or whatever. You know, it's like, no, there's not going to be anybody that's like deserving to be in heaven. Right? We're all going to be in heaven being like, can you believe this? Right? This is crazy. Right? We're not going to be like, yeah, (laughs) I figured this is the way it'd be. Right? (laughs) No! Sin, there's not going to be any boasting in heaven because you didn't do anything to get there. It's all by the grace of God because you are loved and you are made alive, and and it's by God's love that we are free. That impossible problem with no good solution, it has a solution, and it's not because of you. And he goes on in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Real quick, guys, as as we walk through this and as we continue to walk through Ephesians, and even, even this morning, as we think about what does this mean, right? Again, there are some of you who, who the state of your being right now is still dead. You are still dead. You're still in that place. And you're continuing to try and do good things. You're trying to continue to, to work your way up to heaven, work your way to God. And yet, you are a corpse. You have no ability to make yourself right before God. Because God is holy. And we are sinful. Right? And there are some of you who you're saying, yeah, I, I became a believer here and did this. But, it, but you, it's almost like you live a defeated Christian life. And, and I think what Paul is saying here is he's saying, remember who you were and remember the solution that has been given so that you can remember who you are and, and put God on display. Because here's the, here's the reality as he continues. There is this personal touch of God on our lives and he is creating us in such a way. It's like, it's like he's creating you to be around Peg, and he's like, hey, guess what? Here's a round hole for you to. for you to plug into. Or if you think about a puzzle, right? My, my daughter and I got this big puzzle out and we quickly put it back in the box because it was like, we bit off more than we could chew, right? And we put it back in the box. But if you think about a puzzle and you're putting them together and you get down to the last, and it's like, oh, there's pieces missing. It's almost like God is saying, I'm creating you in such a way and loving you and making you alive in such a way that you are that piece and I have a purpose for you and I have a plan for you. And it's apart from salvation, See, the reality is, is that God doesn't need our good works. That what it says there created in Christ Jesus for good works, God doesn't need our good works. But guess what? Our neighbors do. God doesn't need your good works. He doesn't need that to save you because that's already been done. And yet the people around you need that. Because what God is doing is He's saying, I want to put you on display. Guys, there, when I became a believer, when God got a hold of my life, I, there was so much, I, I just could not figure, I could not get my mind around the fact that he would save me. I could not get my mind around the fact that after all I had done, but God would still love me. I could not get my mind around that. And yet, as we see through this, it wasn't about me, it wasn't what I could do, God saved me, and it was by me saying, okay, right, that I could walk in that, and what I want you guys to understand this morning, what I want so desperately for us to experience as a church, that if you're still in that place and yet you feel God drawing you out, say okay, right? Make steps towards him. Turn from that chute that you're walking down towards destruction and find life. Find love. Find, find what God, the purposes that God has for you. And as a church, guys, I want to put God on display. Right? I want to put the love of God on display because we are people who were once dead and now we are alive and God is amazing, amen, and God is worth it, amen, and, and guys, I want to put him on display because there are good works that we have been created to do and to fill and to, to work. God doesn't need, again, God doesn't need our good works for our salvation, but the people around us do.